I'm Stuart Brand. This seminar about long-term thinking is brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. If you would like to see high-quality videos of the talks in the series, including this one, they are available online for Long Now members at longnow.org. I'm, I'm, it's going to be difficult not to continue that conversation. For a <laughs> uh, this is know. John Perry Barlow. Hi. I'm uh, delighted to be speaking with this man. Yeah, you know, one of the problems with, with being a techno-utopian, and, and there were some that were, you know, kind of obvious at the time, but, you know, 20 years ago, I made a lot of giddy predictions about the future, and... The weird thing is that all of them have come true, and they're not as much fun as I thought they would be. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> In almost every instance, you know, I mean, I, I used to go around telling people that, that, you know, the Internet was not about content. That was ridiculous. It was about conversation, and it would only be, you know, start to become itself as soon as people got over trying to turn it into interactive television and realized that it was, you know, the audience talking uh, that the was exchange. the deal. But, you know... I've been on Twitter for about a year and a half. I, I've got, you know, various, as you, uh, devoted tweet minions. I don't know who they are. Uh, but they seem to have an attention span of about 45 seconds. You know, I mean, if, if Jesus Christ had tweeted the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Christianity would have lasted till nightfall. <laughs> you know? I mean, every once in a while, you know, it's not like you actually get these things... You don't make things up. I mean, they're given to you. Really good, good th things suddenly come into your head every now and again. And, and I'll put, you know, and it will seem profound. It, it, it might even be profound. I'll put it out there on Twitter, and I'll get uh, like 25 retweets, and somebody will say, who? Cool. Yeah. And then it's gone. And, I, you know, conversations persist. Yes. You and know? you, as one of the co-founders of the EFF, started a big conversation with that. And I'm one, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Is that crazy? <laughs> you know, as usual, I was trying to get laid. But <laughs> no, I, uh, no I, was, I was thinking. Because the EFF has I mean, changed. It was, I, I, had this, I had this religious experience the first time I ever, you know, got into what I started calling cyberspace. I... I I realized that this was an enormous room that was about to fill up with everybody. Yeah. And that it was going to be boundaryless and that it was going to have all these different cultures in it and they were not going to have any idea how to deal with one another. I mean, there were maybe 500,000 people that had email addresses at that point. But I could see, I mean, you just do the math, everybody was going to be there. Right. I it mean, was going to scale. In a relatively it's short period of time. And there yeah. was going to be a, a huge amount of confusion and upset. And every single existing structure power relationship of the, of the industrial period at minimum, and probably the entire history of monotheism, which I, I thought was also going to get severely assaulted, uh, was going to be up for grabs, and, and there was going to be a shitstorm in there that would require somebody to be defending the right of people to go on speaking as they chose in this medium. Well, it wasn't, I soon realized, a medium. And furthermore, you know, the First Amendment was a local ordinance. And, it, you know, in fact, rights, as I had thought of rights, were not something that could be 
uh, ordained. And we had to start thinking about, all right, how do we regulate human behavior in the absence of government? How do we create new structures for human beings to behave responsibly? And, you know, we're still in very young period on this, but EFF has been doing this for 20 years, and, you know, it's a good thing we called ourselves a frontier organization because we knew we would be on the frontier throughout. Always on the frontier. But I want, you know, I want to talk to you about, uh, about sexuality because I think, you know, if you're talking about the future, I think, you know, the Internet does a lot of things. Well, and if you want to talk about cultures rubbing up against each other and not liking each other. Right. <laughs> oh, right. And, and, and oh, yeah, absolutely. And the, the politics of sexuality in America oh my during my lifetime you know, uh, what are, the, the conversation between the sexes has been <laughs> such a trip. <laughs> so it's great to be talking to you. I mean, do you think of yourself as a porn star in some respects? No. No, not at all? No, I'm not a performer. No, I know you're not a performer, but I mean, you, you have um, a flavor. I mean, you know, for example, the Republic, the, you know, the, the uh, whatever it is of Libya. I mean, I don't know whether a republic or a... Or a mm. <laughs> My friends in Libya. Right. <laughs> Your friends in Libya who yes. have decided that, you know, there is something innately pornographic about, you know, your presence there. Because about when somebody when somebody arms, goes on Twitter and, and shortens one of your, you know, a, a URL that you're making use of, mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, the fact that it's got a bit L-Y matters. Right. I mean, you, you have been singled out. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it was, it was really interesting teasing out of them exactly what was obscene, illegal, and pornographic about what the site was doing. Right. Because, uh, and if you're unfamiliar, um, my business partner and I, um, we started a website called vv.ly based on Libyan domains when the domains opened up. And we're very popular like Bitly, and we created a link shortening service. And when we did it, it was never intended as any type of a political act. It was simply intended as an alternate link shortening service. But why um, Libya? I mean, why, why not? Because why not Greenland or? Well, know? because the domains had just opened up, and they uh. were they were marketing themselves to a Western audience, and two letters. I got two letters that were available, and I read through. We read through all the terms uh. and conditions on the site as they were at the time. Um, which they have since changed them. And it, it, it didn't, it didn't strike you that Muammar Gaddafi was going to be at least sort of nominally in control of that domain? Not at all. No. Not the, the Libyan... It's postmodern Lib- thinking. Yes. Well, it's, really. actually what it is, it's, it's open internet thinking. Is what oh, it is. I know. I mean, I, it's, it's the future that I predicted, and here we are. Yeah. And so we, we put one photograph on it, which was of me holding a beer, looking kind of smarmy, um, with, uh, with my arms bare, and and simply said it was the world's first sex-positive link-shortening service in that we wouldn't censor your links. Of course, you know, we took out anything that was illegal, anything that was spam, anything that was problematic, anything that would get reported. We were very diligent. And they asked me to renew, so we renewed. And uh, about a month after we renewed, they took the domain offline. And it took us a long time to get in touch with them and smartly kept a paper trail asking, you know, eventually why, why, why. Then when we could finally get to a human, they said, what you're doing is illegal and you know it. And we said, well, what are we doing? And as it turned out, we were violating Sharia law, which is Libyan religious law. And 
which I thought as applied to the internet it's as applied cool. to the internet and it wasn't we had no content on the site except for the photograph it was a service we were running off of the site so we actually had no people were emailing me going where was the porn on your site I was like, well I know I mean can, and, can you show me now and and I was it, like, no in the <laughs> in the resulting kerfuffle I, I mean that, that was the point at which I, you know and I've, I've been familiar with your work for a while and you know suddenly I, I, somebody referred to you as a porn star and I said wait a second no uh, you know, this is this is how. Well, I mean, but that was probably an artifact of old media. That as was well Fox as new. News, actually. Yeah, that, that was, was Fox. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fox was. They were the worst. No, that's and that's new media too, in a very interesting way. Yeah. I no, mean, what we I didn't, thought we didn't used to have media like that before. <laughs> I don't think. No, what I thought was was interesting was that. Uh, okay, you know the the idea of whether or not the website was a political statement completely doesn't matter when you think about the idea of, of religion and religious law being applied to the policing but of CCTLD. It is a political statement. It is in it, well, it has become one. No, no, but don't you think it was all along? I mean, you, you seem to have an angle that, is, that puts a political context in, around your sexuality. Or maybe well, not. Perhaps. I mean, I just notice that whenever I get I into a fight, out. it ends up in the New York Times. What's that? I just notice that whenever I get into a fight, it ends up in the New York Times. So maybe, maybe it's just that what I'm saying. Better than is, the New York Post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting in the right kind of fight. No, but what I think is interesting from an EFF angle is is that when you when you when you have religious law and an open internet, suddenly you're in an enormous gray area. An well, that was the idea. I mean, you know, uh, and and it will go on being gray. You know, it's very. But you know, there is this relationship between cyberspace and meat space. It is. It's very interesting. I mean, it's uh, it's just exactly the relationship between the mind and the body. So it's sort sort of germane here. You know, I mean, you know that there is the mind in its abstraction, and you know that there is the body in its concreteness. Or, Squishy concreteness. Yes. Uh, but, you know, the area between those two things is, is and always has been and always probably will be a very difficult zone to define. I think so. I and, think and that's going to be true on this planet as a mind, don't you think? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think, I think the controversy, though, that you were suggesting about my message is that it's a sex-positive message. And that is that it is. Who's not for sex? Oh, I, a maybe, lot of people. Excuse me. There, I guess they're people who are <laughs> nervous about it. But I mean, I think basically everybody's pretty much for it. Well, you would think so, but it, I see. Well, I mean, there are a lot of people. A lot of people that don't. I mean, in the world. So. Yeah, but I mean, when you come from the approach that it's an inherently good thing, it's pretty upsetting to some people. Like, apparently. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Especially well, if you, you know, I mean, I get. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but it seems it seems generally to be upsetting to people who are devoutly attached to one of the three major monotheistic religions. Maybe that's a, uh, a narrow characterization, but it strikes me that all three of those religions are as as I thought they would be under very severe attack from the internet by virtue of their their having a a doctrine based on a very concrete set of spoken of written words they have mm -hmm. a book they all have a book or right. a set of books 
And now we are creating, you know, books upon books upon books upon books of opinion and, and other countervailing argument and, you know, very pantheistic model. You know, and they're reacting in this way. And uh, sexuality just happens to be one of the, you know, think it's just like one of the battlements that they have chosen yes. with which to protect themselves against the general horde of horizontalism as opposed to verticalism. Right. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to find there is one there, and it certainly <laughs> is. Uh, but so, do you think that with the radical distribution of, of ideas that run counter to to cultures that need to maintain their rules and their laws, specifically like their religious rules and laws, to to keep the status quo? Do you what do you see as as the future in this respect? Well, do you the, think that there's going to be such dissemination of information that these cultures either must evolve or they get blown apart, or do you see them tightening down and clamping down? And Well, I'm, a, I'm an, an old acid head, so <laughs> I, I remember a point in about 1966 in this city where I thought that God was about to jump through the transom and, you know, and uh, everything, you know, a, a new age would be upon us immediately. Uh, and you know, then everything started to leave the rails to the point where I was even alarmed. Mm. And then, you know, then there was the understandable reaction of all of the powers that had been to this way of looking at things that was fundamentally disturbing. You know, it was about, you know, the end of God-given authority. It was about, you know, turning humanity into into... Uh, a spiritual be- species that had a direct, unmediated contact with the holy that didn't come through the book or anything else. And I have seen, you know, the last 40 years of America history, American history be nothing but this endless, horrible battle between the 50s and the 60s, between monotheism and pantheism, and between, you know, the the seriously endangered forces of, of what had been the status quo up to that point in a state of reaction. And just because I think monotheism is on it's going to be on its last legs for the next two or three hundred years doesn't mean it's going to be easy to be around it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if you're locked in the closet with a dying dinosaur, the fact that he is moribund is, is faint comfort. <laughs> so it's like having a cranky roommate. Oh, <laughs> On the internet. Such cranky roommates. <laughs> and so I, and I don't know, you know, I think it's brave what you do. I mean, Thank by, you. you know, and I think it's important, and, and EFF does what it does to make sure that what you do uh, can go on being done as many places as possible. Though, I, I mean, I, I also think that we have to learn how to be somewhat less in one another's face about this stuff. Um, I mean, I find that people are very intolerant of the religious now, and very and very inflexible in their in their attitude towards what they perceive perceive to be the inflexibility of the religious. Do you see that just as a necessary reaction? Well, I don't know that there is a necessary reaction. That's just it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that the, it could be that the the advisable reaction, not, not the predictable one, but the advisable reaction is somewhat more... Tolerant? 
I'm not even tolerant. I mean, I, th I, I, I don't like the word tolerant. I think Why? it's because it's condescending as hell. Nice. You know, it is. I mean, I, well, I tolerate you. Well, I see it a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be respected. I don't, and, you know, yes, and I think and, that a, and lot so of, do you. a lot of queer people would agree with you. Yeah. They say, you know, tolerance is, you know, it's, it's what's bandied about in mainstream media as this is how we accept the other. No, and, and, but it's no, we just all want to be the same. As and furthermore, I mean, I think that, you know, as far as tolerance is concerned, you know, the first business of tolerance is to be at minimum tolerant toward that which would not tolerate you. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, if you can't get that one right, the rest of it is, is junk. <laughs> Liberty resides in the rights of that person whose views you find most odious, is, is what John Stuart Mill said. And, and that includes people that, you know, that includes, unfortunately, at the moment, some people that, that are, are protesting at, at servicemen's funerals because they say that, you know, they've died to defend homosexuality. God. Do you think that around that, because there has been so much outcry and activism online in this particular instance against uh, Westboro, it's Westboro, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't want to single them out. I mean, but I, I, I only single them out as being an example of something that I find hard to defend but nevertheless necessary. Right. Do you believe that there is a self-correcting nature of the open Internet in this? Well, you know, this is another one, you know, I, I used to, what is truth, right? And, 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 and reality, as far as I know, is just, you know, the, the story that we collectively tell ourselves about it. I mean, preferably collectively, you know, sometimes, you know, not. But uh, I just felt like we would, you know, enter into this great conversation where there would be a natural sort of corrective to to untruth, mm -hmm. you know, that you didn't need to worry about slander because, you know, good speech would drive out bad. And, and there is evidence that this can work and is working. I mean, Wikipedia, I mean, to me, Wikipedia is one of the most optimistic generations of the human race that I've ever seen. That, you know, I mean, it is phenomenal. I, I knew Jimmy Wales when he was first starting, and I said, you know, you have an even more sunny view of humanity than I do, and I'm pretty optimistic. He said, well, we'll see how it goes. And I have yet to read anything there that I don't think is accurate, that I know about personally. I have had a, a stalker who threatened me personally, editing the Wikipedia page about me for the past four years. Yeah, but there are correctives. And has published my address on Wikipedia, on my Wikipedia page. And so... I think it's. Um, I think there's a lot of conflict in that optimism. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, actually, the, the I mean, other part. Look at the page on The other part of it is that locked. there's there is. Uh, oh, <laughs> sure. Seriously. Sure. Uh, but I, I mean, I the other part it. of it is that there are. You know, Wikipedia. I was going to say is a good example, and even within that, there are, as you say, lamentable consequences of, of, of human beings being themselves. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, they're, they're also, that. you know, I, I realize now that there are a lot of people who are not interested in the truth, actually. Yes. I mean, that they don't like, you know, it's easy enough to find out whether or not Barack Obama is a Muslim. But nevertheless, 19% of the American people believe that he is and actually do not have any interest in not believing that he is. So, I mean, the truth is what you want to believe, too. It's subjective. Yeah. Thank it you is. so much. I Thank can talk you. to you for 19 hours. Well, we'll, we'll just do that. <laughs> We don't have to we don't have to restrict the conversation to this. Okay, good.
This seminar about long-term thinking was brought to you by the Long Now Foundation. Thanks to Fora TV, you can see high-quality videos of the talks online by joining Long Now as a member at longnow.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Stuart Brand.